But the difference between being unsaved and saved is so vast. And I would say this, the difference between being a good person and a saved person is just as big. Because we're not saved by our own righteousness. And there's some good people in the world. How many have a, a, just a good friend? They're good people. There's a lot of good people. You know, when we were disciplining our children, we were telling them, we, good boys and girls, they also have to do right. Good boys and girls, they, they, they need Jesus too, right? Not just, not just terrible, terrible, rowdy, terrible people that are law, breaking laws and everything, but just, just normal good people that we, that we know. But that's not enough to get them to heaven. Good people go to hell. Good people miss the Lord. Good people, uh, they, they miss the cross. Tonight I want to preach a message called From Rags to Righteousness. From Rags to Righteousness. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 64. We'll begin there. I want to bring out a point tonight that I think is very important. You and I, no matter how good we try to be, can never offer our good works to the Lord. That doesn't mean you're supposed to try or not try to have good works, right? Everybody's supposed to do right. Everybody's supposed to have a, a ministry of some kind. Everybody's supposed to do what, what you know is right. To him that doeth, knoweth to do good, right? And doeth it not. To him it is sin. So we know that there's good things that we should do. Uh, if, if you get overpaid, you're supposed to go back into the grocery store and hand it back. That's just good things, you know. If you, if you have something that you know is there, somebody, somebody has their lights on, and um, if they don't have a Democratic sticker on their car, you're supposed to. <laughs> uh, I got to stop joking around, but, uh, but I've been tempted. <laughs> no, I, hope you, I hope your lights burn out, dude. But nope, nope. Good is good. Amen? We're supposed to be good people. But that never is enough to please God. So let's look at this now. Chapter number 64, Isaiah 64. Let's pray and let's rejoice tonight in the gift of righteousness. Father, bless us now, I pray. Help us to savor and cherish this beautiful gift that you've given to us, knowing that deep down in us now, the seed of the Savior, the, the spiritual birth has given us the righteousness of God. Lord, thank you for that wonderful gift. All, all, also, and in addition to the fact that we have eternal life, which is the gift of God, we also have this incredible thing called righteousness, Lord. Thank you for giving us your own perfection, your own purity, that your own righteousness you have implanted in our, our souls. Our souls are made righteous, God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it a good thought that when the Lord looks at you, he knows you as one of his own? You know, you're saved. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have the righteousness of God in you. But look at this now, in verse number six. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses uh, are as filthy rags. So that tells me the best you can do, no matter how good it is, isn't good enough. Right? 
The word our means that's yours. Now, God expects you to do right and try hard and be good. But that's, that's only taking you so far. Your righteousness has to be better than the scribes and Pharisees of the day when Jesus had a whole lot of righteous people all around him. They were very serious about their religion. How many ever met a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or a Catholic that was really serious about their belief? I mean, there, there are actually Muslims that are very, very intense about their religion. I, I'm saying not, not, not in a hateful way, but I mean, there are some really dedicated, devout Mormons. And there's some really strong Jehovah's Witnesses. Boy, however wrong they are, some of them are really serious about what they believe. I know some Catholics that will probably make some of us look like, you know, troublemakers. But that's not enough to get them to heaven. There's a lot of religion in the world. I mean, think of the monks up in Tibet. Man alive, some of those guys are a lot more serious about their religion than I am about mine. They put me to shame in their dedication. But that's not enough. All of our right. So Jesus looked at the Pharisees and in his day, they were very perfection. Oh, they were just uh, outward. They were just whitewashed sepulchers. But they were very intent on having everything go just perfect. Oh, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even talk to people that, that they shouldn't talk to. They wouldn't wear clothing that they shouldn't wear. They, had, they, were, they were in the law and they were trying their hardest to, to follow the law. And Jesus looked at me and he said, Unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, that he was pointing to the fact that the very best religious people in the world that were trying the very hardest, they were much more serious than any Mormon I've ever met. And those, those Jews in Jesus' day were very, very serious about what they believed. And they, boy, I'll tell you what, they wouldn't even, they had a new name for God that they, it was, I, I think it was spelled Yahweh in a different way. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even come close to using the Lord's name in vain. They're very serious about it. But Jesus said to the common man, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees or you'll not get to heaven. So guess what he did? He gave us his own righteousness as a gift. Did you know that you have the righteousness of God in you and you are born of the seed of salvation? Jesus Christ, the yeah, remember the prophecy back in against the devil in the book of Genesis? Uh, thy seed, uh, he, he shall bruise uh, thy head. You should bruise his heel, uh, his seed. Talking about those that are related to Jesus are going to crush Satan's head. Uh, so there is a different, there's a different family. We're in the family of God. There in Gen, in uh, Revelate or excuse me Matthew I think chapter number one, the Bible says the word generation, the generation of God, just just single. That means one family, one family, continuous family. 
You're born into the family of God. You have a relationship with God now through the Spirit. You're born of the Spirit of God. That's our righteousness. We are righteous. We are absolutely cleansed of all of the penalties and the suffering of the future sin punishment. It's all gone. We're born of the Spirit. We can ruin our lives. Did you know that I can ruin my life? Did you know you doesn't take long to ruin your life? You can lose your testimony. Is that right? You can you you can lose your sound system. You can you can lose your health. You can lose your testimony. You can lose your family, your wife, your children, your spouse. You can lose your job. You can lose everything, but you can't lose your salvation. And that is there forever because we're born into the family of God. And the only way you get to go to heaven is if your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You know what? I got a better religion than the Jews do. And I love Jewish people, but I got, I'm, I got a whole lot better religion than they got. I really do. I mean, it just outshines the world. I was in San Diego one time and... Right by the college, San Diego State University, one of my favorite coffee shops was there. And they had a, a, a library there of a Bible college. And they let pastors come and study. And they had a tremendous library. It was a Baptist church that had a college. And I, I don't know how I stumbled onto the library, but I got to go there. And I had my little card because I was an assistant pastor. I got to go in and just it, they let anybody come in. I was just amazing. So one day... I was uh, outside the, the uh, library there where I used to go and study. And a group of Hasidic Jews. Now, do you know what they look like? You know, they have the phylacteries and they got the little box on their hand. Some of them have a box right on their forehead. And they tie it right around their head. They take literally the command, have the, the law of God on your forehead and on the gates of your house and bind them upon the, 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 your hand. They have a little box. On, and it was amazing. And I ran into about five or six of them and they had the long coats on and they had the dreadlocks and they had the hat and they were on a mission, boy. They, were, they had their, they had their um, direction straight ahead. They weren't talking to anybody. And I just felt like I needed to ask them something. So I said, hey, you guys, can I talk to you for a minute? And they all stopped and looked. There was about five of them there and they were all dressed up, you know, in their costumes and I said, hey, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a Gentile, and I know you guys are Jewish. And I said, but um, I have a question for you. As a Gentile, I want to go to heaven. How can I get there? Can you please share with me what do I have to do to go to heaven? You guys, you guys know God, and you have, you have the promises, and you have all the commands, and, and you have Moses and Abraham. I said, could you please share, share with me? What am I going to do? How can I get to heaven? I'm a Gentile. You know, that was the most confusing question that I ever asked in my life to a guy, a bunch of guys that didn't have an answer for it. They were arguing with each other how I can go to heaven. I was shocked. They did not have an answer. You know why? Because their religion's dead. I'm sorry. They're beautiful people. I love them. I'll always honor them. I will always stand up for Israel. I don't care what they do. I'm not turning my back on Israel. Never. But they don't have the right religion. 
They missed God. You know why? Their righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. Look at the verse. It says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, that's your personal righteousness, are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You know, there's no better verse in the Bible that tells us what your best work is like if that's all you offer to God, we just can't, we don't have enough. Folks, we don't have enough. No matter how good you try to be, you're not good enough to get to heaven on your own works. But that shouldn't be a, a, a negative thing tonight. That should be, okay, if that's true, what do I do about it? Well, you need to count on the righteousness of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. God has given us, because we're related to the Lord by salvation... He's given us eternal life. Is that right? We have the promise, like we sang tonight, standing on the promises of God my Savior. We have those promises and they will never, ever fade away. It's, it's, it stands forever. Now, because of that, we also have a gift that God gave us. Not only eternal life, but you have the righteousness of God in you. You can do it. You can, you can do what God wants you to do. You can please God. Because you have that righteousness, He will hear your prayers. He can't hear the prayers of unrighteous people. He knows everything, and I don't want to say God doesn't know everything, but He's not going to have the same relationship with an unsaved person as He has with you. Do you realize how many children there are in the world? I don't have the same relationship with every child that I do with my own. And I love them, but I don't have, I don't, I, I, I don't get hugs from everybody. I get a lot of hugs from my kids. If I tried to hug another kid, I think I'd be arrested. <laughs> you know, preachers used to hug kids coming in the church house in the bus. You can't do that anymore. You can't even barely pat them on the head. I find myself, when we had bus riders, I put one arm behind, arm behind my back. I stand, and I'm glad to have you in church today. I love you. You know, that's, that's, it used to be, come here, you little rascal. <laughs> good to have you today. You'll be good in Sunday school, okay? Go get them. You can't do that now. You can't have that same relationship. But I can do that with my kids. Why, well, just the other day, I took my wife. I said, you go, you go get them, girl. <laughs> We, te we tease each other a lot. You be good in Sunday school, Julie. I'll tell you what. You better be good. No, no. She's not my child. I don't mean anything. But I have a, I have a relationship with my family. You have a relationship with your family. God has a relationship with us because we're his kids. Are you with me? It's not the same as an unsaved person. The purest and most wonderful gift that God has given at salvation is also this righteousness that we have. Now, we will all wear beautiful, fine linen robes one day. And I want you to see what that means. Look at Mark chapter 15 for just a minute. <laughs> I'd like to know what it, I'd like to know what I'm going to look like, you know, when I get to heaven. I mean, it's going to be really fun to walk around in heaven and I don't know if we're going to float. I don't know what we're going to do. I just know there's going to be streets of gold. 
and we're going to have a robe of righteousness on. Now you say, well, I don't like to wear a robe. Sorry, God, God will change your mind, I promise. Look at this now, Mark chapter number 15. I want you to go with me to verse 43. We're going to go to Revelation in a minute. But Mark 15, verse 43. Let's all go there, okay? All right. It says now, Mark 15, 43. Uh, excuse me, yes. Okay. Joseph of Arimathea, uh, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate, and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body, the body of Jesus, to Joseph. And, now watch this now, Joseph bought fine linen. That's very expensive. Fine linen. And took him down from the cross, of course, and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. So now we have Jesus wrapped in fine linen. That was no accident in the Bible. That was very, very prophetic. Let's look now in Revelation chapter 19. This fine linen was no mistake in the Bible. It was absolutely a tremendous thing. Can you picture yourself with a brand new body, beautifully crafted, fine linen robe, Wearing uh, just just clean and pure, and you're in a robe of white linen. You and I, right now, if you asked me to do that, I'd say, "What's this choir practice?" <laughs> but I would say, "I, I don't I don't want to wear this. This is it feels funny." Sorry, God has a new body for you and a new set of clothing. Now you say, "I." This, I don't like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you don't like what God's going to do, go get your own universe. You, you go get your own planet. God's going to put you in a robe of fine linen. Watch. In, in chapter number 19, verse 5, and then later on in verse 11, let's go to verse 5 here. It says, And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, that uh, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, his wife, <laughs> That's you and me as a church. This is the church of the living God. This is all the believers. That's his wife, the body, the church. That's what Jesus said. He said, husbands, love your wives, even if Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. 
that it might be without spot or blemish or any wrinkle or any such thing. God's going to clean us up. But here it is, we're there. Because you and I are already, the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, verse 7, and his wife hath made herself ready. There's going to be a wedding. And it says, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in what? Fine linen. Jesus was arrayed in fine linen. You know, it's going to be pretty neat because you and I will have our wedding garments on. And it says, clean, hallelujah, and white. For the fine linen is the what? Righteousness of the saints. So from rags, that's your righteousness. Sorry, not good enough. Filthy, best you can do is not going to get you into heaven. Now that we're saved, we're wearing the righteousness of Jesus now because it's his righteousness that he has imputed to us. You might not like me, and that's fine, but Jesus loves me. Amen? And uh, I like you, but Jesus loves you more than anybody in the world. Jesus, he looks at you, and he sees Jesus' righteousness in you, and he's no longer upset. He's no longer an alienated person from you. He doesn't say, uh, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. He says, no, you're my child and, and you're part. You are my wife. You're, you are so special to me that you have my righteousness. I've given it to you. I know the day that Jesus gave me that righteousness. Uh, I don't know what day it was, but I can take you to where I was when I prayed and asked Jesus to come to my heart. That's when I got saved. And my dear mother, I love this illustration. She asked me, what's wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, something's different about you. And I said, well, the only thing I remember is I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And she was in the hallway. I could take you to the spot she was standing. She said, I, thought, I knew it was something like that. <laughs> Amen. That's good. That's a testimony. That's, that's something that happened to you inside your heart you have been made righteous you know what happened after that I started getting along with my brother we were fighting all the time I was mean and ornery to him I didn't treat him good and all of a sudden I just loved him like crazy and for a little while before I went in the Navy we had such a friendship we carried that on to this day my brother and I like Jeannie said you know when she went to Oklahoma the friendship with the uh, uh, the Don who's just, just picked up where they left off. And he, he's been gone, uh, they have been gone six years now, over six years. And it's just like they never left. So you see, that, that's just that sweetness, that, that relationship that we have. And so we have that relationship with the Lord. We have that oneness. And it's because he gave us that righteousness. Look at verse number nine. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And he fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, watch this now, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. This is Christ Jesus. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. 
His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And then you and I, watch this now. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's the purity of God Almighty. That's the pure. Aren't you glad God is so pure that he's the only one that can judge the nations? Aren't you glad that the only one that you're going to stand before on Judgment Day is not me or some other pastor or some other Christian, but it's going to be Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. You will stand before the Lord and you will answer to him. You will not answer to me. You will not answer to any board. You will not answer to a council. You will not answer to angels. You're going to answer one-on-one with Jesus because he's the only one worthy to judge us. I, I treasure that day. You say, aren't you scared? Yeah, I'm a little bit scared. Well, aren't you, uh, aren't, aren't you a little intimidated? Yeah, I'll be intimidated. But don't you feel like God really loves you? Yes. <laughs> don't you feel that he understands everything that you've ever done? How many understand it? Even, even sometimes people that are closest to you might not understand you fully. Amen? That's okay, because everybody's just human. You know, I, I, there's, there's a lot that I do that my wife does not understand. You know why? Because I don't even understand. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> You've said that to more people in here. No, no but Jesus. Je- <laughs> no, honest, I'm playing. But Jesus, he, he knows what I was thinking. And he loves us anyway. How many of you have ever made a mistake in a, in a real good-hearted way? How many are glad that you're going to be judged for your heart, not necessarily the mistakes? Right? Amen. I mean, I mean, the Lord, I think, honestly, at the judgment seat of Christ, there's got to be a part where Jesus has got to be laughing. He has to. I have done some of the dumbest things in the world. And I think that he, he knew about it. And I think he, he wishes I hadn't have done that. But I think that it's a relationship. You know, every, 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 every person that really loves you is going to understand you. And to, to have your best friend talk to you, he happens to be the Lord. And I, I just don't think it's all going to be like, what did you do? Shame on you, boy. Out, cast him. Out, punish him. Beat him. Burn him. Oh, listen, I, my idea of the Lord is like when the Lord Jesus is in the boat, gently correcting his disciples. I don't think he really got really mad and angry while he was in person within his disciples, he, he helped them and he loved them and he, and he, and, and he uh, encouraged them. And when they, were, when they didn't have any faith, what did he do? He built their faith up. He reminded them of things. Listen, we have a Savior that's just actually our best friend. But he's righteous. He's absolutely sinless. He's the only one I can trust with the judgment of my soul. 
And yet he gave me and you together as children of God his own righteousness. Have you ever heard of the word imputation? Now, I know this is crude, but when somebody has a heart attack and they need, let's say, a valve or maybe they need a defibrillator or some kind of a, a operation where they, it keeps them alive, that, that, uh, that life-sustaining little box that they impute into the person, that's the idea. Jesus took our sins and gave us his righteousness in our heart. He, he, he gave us eternal life, and now it's in us. It's part of us. Our, his righteousness is imputed in us. It's imputed to us. What is righteousness? Purity. It's cleanliness. It is virginity. It is sinless, stainless. It is uncorrupt. There's a part of you that cannot be corrupted. It's immutable. It can, never la it can never be taken away and it can never dissolve. It is unwavering. It doesn't, it doesn't go back and forth. It stays there like a rock without spot, without blame, without blemish, without wrinkle. Look at Psalm 9. We're going to go quickly because I ran out of time. I wish preaching would just be, I don't know. I wish you guys would just stick around longer. It's so hard. You think this is easy, don't you? How do you ask a preacher to be quiet and end it? How do you do that? Go ahead and say, be quiet and end it. I, I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's easy. Hey, about time to quit, isn't it? No. Uh, I was preaching one time in Bremerton in a church, Brother Wamscons. And you know those wristwatches that used to, you could set the timer and it'd beep, beep, beep. Remember those? It'd drive you crazy. All of a sudden, it came, it was right at 12 noon, and I was a guest preacher at his church. And I'll never forget it, man. There was like five or six of these watches. They went off in the service at right at 12 o'clock. Those church members, shame on them. They set their timers and let them go at 12 o'clock. Why did you set it for 12? You don't get up that early at night. You don't... You, you, don't, you didn't set that because it's 12 o'clock midnight. Oh, I got them bad, man. I knew exactly what. They had been doing that so their preacher could end the service at 12 o'clock noon just in case he went over. Oh, man, alive. I, had, I went over a little bit on purpose. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. I hate those watches. It's ear piercing, isn't it? Shame on those Christians. So, with that in mind, how many wouldn't mind if I just kept going a while? All right. Beep, beep. <laughs> Where is that watch? Where is that? Who did that? All right. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Okay, I got it. I got the news. Look at Chapter number 9, uh, Psalm 9, verse 8. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Now you say, are we going to have a part in that? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Turn to Psalm number 150. And I'll, I'll close with this. We, there's just so much. In fact, uh, excuse me, Psalm 149. 
you and I should, should realize that you have the righteousness of, of Jesus Christ. We're going to be able to look God in the face one day. We're going to be able to stand before him because he will know us. We have his spirit. We have his righteousness. We will be there with a brand new body. You don't have to meet Jesus in the bag of bones that you're carrying around because this body that we have, remember Paul said, that is in my body, in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. You and I, we can't face God right now in this body. We have to be translated and resurrected into a different body so we can even face him. He's so pure. We have to have a new body. I mean, if he, he was here in the flesh, he could see the, the disciples. But now, now it's different. He's, when he judges us, he, we're going to be in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. You've got to have the right kind of clothing. Amen. You have to have the righteousness of God. You have to have your linen robe. You're going to be, you're going to be robed in righteousness. And it's going to be wonderful. Fine linen. Perfection. Psalm 149. Uh, <clears throat> look, look at this now, please. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Why? To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have what? I should say who? All his saints. You see, that, that puts a lot of courage in us to do right. So who makes the best police officer, saved or unsaved? Who makes the best judges, saved or unsaved? Who makes the best president, a saved person or a lost person? Who makes best people in the whole world, saved or lost? Saved people, the people that have the righteousness of God. That's why it's so important to give the gospel to people. Because our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. One day, righteousness is going to rain on us in Hosea 10, 12. Don't turn there. But Hosea 10, 12 says, one day the righteousness is going to be like rain coming down. So we do have this imputed righteousness. You'll see that in Ephesians 4. You can see it in Romans chapter 3, which Brother Kurt's going to be covering very soon because of our new birth. So our prayers avail now. Uh, and, and you can communicate with God. One last verse. Look at this, James 5.16. Let's turn there, and we'll be, uh, we'll be ending the service tonight. But I want you to see this. A lot, of, a lot of Christians don't understand sometimes just how wonderful it is to be saved and uh, just how beautiful salvation is and, and what it is that God gave to us. Uh, in James, Hebrews chapter, oh, excuse me, Hebrews and then James. James chapter 5. Look at verse 16. 
confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now here it is. The effectual, fervent prayer of a who? A righteous man. That, that includes all mankind. Women, boys, girls, anybody the same. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. According to the Bible, now that you're saved, you have the righteousness of God in you. He listens, he hears, he responds, he loves, he guides, and he knows, and he, and he, uh, he comforts, and he, uh, he reminds us. He lives and walks with us along the narrow way. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that, you know, He's living. He's living in my heart. He's living in us. He's given us His purity, His righteousness. Let's bow our heads for prayer.